John chapter 10, beginning in verse 7. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but sheep, the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is God's word. You may be seated. I invite you to open your Bibles to John 10 this morning. The verses that we just read are a clarification of what Jesus says in verses 1 through 5, where he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter uh, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, all, his, out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will not follow a stranger they will not follow. They will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of, uh, the voice of strangers. Uh, verse 6, the figure of speech that Jesus used with them, uh, but they didn't understand it, what he was saying to them. So he went on to say what we already read in verse 7. Uh, Jesus is giving this, uh, this imagery uh, of a shepherd and of sheep and of a door in, 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 uh, because of what, what comes before this chapter, in response to chapter 9. So when we want to understand the Bible rightly, we need to know what, why things are being said. We could just try to understand verse, these verses all by themselves in, verse, in chapter 10, but what comes before chapter 10 is important for us to know as well. So Jesus has this interaction in chapter 10 with a, a blind man, a man that has been born blind, and there's lots of questions as to why he's been born blind and, and what, what is the story about this man. And what we come to find out is that Jesus heals him. Uh, Jesus heals the, the, the blind man, and then there is lots of questions about how this happened, who healed him. Uh, they're questioning the man. They're questioning the, the, the man's parents. How could this happen? Who is this? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the, the Pharisees uh, here are interacting with this man. And we could say that the, shepherd, that the Pharisees were, were the shepherds of Israel, religiously speaking. Uh, but here we see them being very poor at shepherding this blind man. Uh, poor at caring for uh, this man who has been blind, who now is healed. Which tells us much about the kind of shepherds that these Pharisees were. In verses 27 through 33, the blind man testifies that it's Jesus who heals him. Um, but the Pharisees don't like that much. And in verse 33, they kind of say something pretty, dis, um, uh, pretty dismissive when, when uh, verse 34, excuse me, he says this, and they answered him, you were born under sin in utter sin, and you would teach us? And, and they cast him out. And they kicked him out of the synagogue is what they did. They didn't like his answer. They didn't like that he was giving credit to Jesus. They didn't like this Jesus, so they kicked him out. This says something to us about who these men were, who these religious leaders were. 
You might say, well, what does that have to do with chapter 10? Well, Jesus then goes on to talk about this idea of a shepherd. He talks about this idea of thieves and robbers. He's going to show these comparisons and these contrasts between these two things. It's in light of this story that Jesus talks about sheep. He talks about shepherding. He talks about himself as what we come to see as the good shepherd. But first he calls himself the door. In verses 10 through 7 through 10, we find that Jesus talks about this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. In the, the gospel of John, there are seven absolute statements of, of I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Uh, two here, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And we could keep going. The use of I am, just for getting us all on the same page here, the use of the the words I am ties us back to the Old Testament, to Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is having an interchange with with God, and God tells him to go to the people, and he's going to lead the people out of Egypt, and Moses says, well, who, who, who do I tell them sent me? If I just walk in there and say, come follow me, they're not going to believe me. Who, who should I say has sent me? And God says, tell them that I am. Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. So Jesus using this terminology, I am, is very significant. It would be very significant to the religious people of the day too. They would have known this. They would have known that this I am statement is is referencing God. They would see that that Jesus is is claiming equality. He's claiming deity. This was no small thing for Jesus to say. And so Jesus says, I am. And he says that he's the door. We find that Jesus is the only door of the sheep. Verse 8 says, all who came before me are, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So here, again, Jesus is drawing this comparison between himself and these thieves and robbers. Uh, through the door, there is protection. There is provision. But with the thieves and the robbers, there is danger and there is a threat. Uh, the thieves and the robbers here are the, the, the Pharisees. They're the religious people. They're these people who did not care well for the sheep. They only cared for themselves. They were false shepherds. And Jesus says that his sheep didn't listen to them, isn't going to listen to them. They don't don't know the voice of those shepherds. We also see that Jesus is the only door of the sheep that leads to salvation. Verse 9, I am the door. He says that again. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He is the door. He is the only way to God. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm the only way to be part of the family of God. The Apostle Paul says this, For through him, that's Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Jesus is the door. He is the way to enter. He continues, If anyone enters by me, So Jesus is saying, I'm a door, and there's actually only one entry point to get in. And I'm it. I am the way to enter. But let's think about these five words for a moment. If, if anyone enters by me. There's a condition here, isn't there? There's an exception. Not not all will actually enter. 
The only way you do is if you enter by him. If anyone, here's the invitation, whosoever will may come. This morning, that's the invitation. Whosoever will may come. If anyone enters, if anyone enters by me, enters. One is not made part of the family of God without entering through the door, through Jesus. That's the only way you get in. There is exclusion to that, isn't there? There is an exclusiveness to Jesus. There is only one way. There's also an inclusion. Anyone, anyone can come if they come through Christ by me. The only entrance is through Christ. There is no other way. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The only way to enter is by him, by this shepherd who knows us and who calls us. And in response to his calling, we hear him and we follow him. Drop down with me to chapter 10, verse 27. Hear these words. Jesus again. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. C.H. Spurgeon says this. Our Savior marks us. It's been very properly observed that there are two marks of Christ's sheep. One is on their ear. The other is on their foot. These are two marks of Christ's sheep, not to be found on any other sheep, but they are to be found on all his own. The mark on the ear, my sheep hear my voice. The mark on the foot, I know them and they follow me. Jesus is the way to enter. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is security. Jesus is satisfaction. Keep reading here. He will be saved if anyone If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. We see three things here, don't we? We see three three blessings of those who will enter through Christ. They'll be saved. They'll be rescued. They'll be restored from sin. They'll be safe. Look at verse 28. I'll give them eternal life and they will never perish for no one will snatch them out of my hand How does this salvation work? Acts 4.12, you might know this verse. For there is no salvation, for there is salvation in no one else. For there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's only through Christ that we can be saved. It's only through this door. You must come through this door. That is the only way. Secondly, those who enter through Christ will go in and out. There will be freedom There will be security. There will be liberty. Uh, The sheep would would come in and they would gather in a fold. But they wouldn't stay there. They wouldn't stay there forever. They would then go out. Christ's sheep have have freedom to come and to go. This is true for you and me too, isn't it? We come here and we gather here. And this is good. And this is right. We don't stay here forever. Then we leave. The church gathers and then the church scatters. We go in and we go out. We go in and we go out. Thirdly, those who enter through Christ find pasture. They find satisfaction. They find provision. They find rest. They find food. 
This might remind us of Psalm chapter 23. You know these words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In verse 10, we see that Jesus is the only door of the sheep that lead to abundant life. Listen to it in verse 10. The thief comes to kill steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Again, we see a contrast, don't we? Between the thief and this Jesus. The thief takes life. Jesus gives life to the fool. He gives us abundant life. What the thief comes to do is to kill, to steal, to destroy Jesus has referred to these thieves multiple times now already. Verse 1, verse 7, and now here in verse 10. Uh, These thieves are out for themselves. That's what a thief is out for. A thief is only out for their own interest. They're they're cunning. They're violent. They're exploitive. They seek to kill. They seek to destroy spiritually. Matthew Henry says, deceivers of souls are murderers of souls. So these, these false Shepherds, these thieves are killers. Again, the contrasts. There's a contrast that Jesus continues to make. They're seeking their, their own way. They're seeking to do things in, a, in, a, in their own way, not following God, not following the shepherd. The end result for the thief, for those who follow the thief, is destruction. So what the thief does, steal, kill, destroy. What Jesus gives is life. Abundant life, full life, more, more than sufficient, over and above what we could ever imagine. This life is one of blessing. It's one of fellowship. Verse 28, I give them eternal life. This is eternal life that Jesus gives. Remember, Ephesians 2 tells us we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And how were we made alive? God made us alive through Christ. Only Jesus gives life, so we must come to him and through him. My question is, have you entered the door? Jesus calls himself the door. There's only one way in. Have you entered the door? This morning as we begin a new year, as you think about your life, as you think about going forward now, you think about what lies ahead for you, have you entered the door? We know that not all enter the door. It's true. So to ask that question is not presumptuous. We shouldn't assume it. I shouldn't assume that everyone here has entered the door. Jesus is inviting us to enter the door today. If you have, then you should rejoice and give thanks for this indescribable gift. If you have not, the invitation is to come today. If anyone will enter by me, he will be saved. Come. Come and see this, this, good, this good shepherd. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How do we get this life? 
We want this abundant life. That sounds great. Everybody wants abundant life. Everybody wants this overflowing life, this full life. Who doesn't want that? That sounds great. How would we ever get such a life? How would this salvation, this freedom, this, this uh, provision, how would it ever be possible? Verse 11 tells us how. Not only is Jesus the door for the sheep, that he says that he is the shepherd of the sheep. Another I am statement. Jesus is the good shepherd. Uh, there are six other mentions of individual shepherds in the Bible. Five of them, we can see how they point us to, to Jesus. We think of Abel in the Old Testament. We think of Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David. Uh, there's a sixth shepherd in Zechariah chapter 11. This is the called the idol shepherd. This does not point us to Christ. It points us to the, the Antichrist. But then the seventh individual shepherd in the scriptures is here, Christ himself. A good number for him, don't you think? Number seven, he is the good shepherd. Now, a shepherd knows his sheep. A shepherd calls his sheep. He leads his sheep, cares, provides, protects, and corrects. Jesus is the good shepherd because he knows how to treat his sheep. We've already read verses 27 and 28. We could read those again and see it again. So Jesus is a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. When we say good, we mean that he's beautiful. We mean that he is excellent or that he is noble. As we continue on in the passage, we can see four reasons where we see his goodness. In verse 14, we see that he knows the sheep and the sheep know him, meaning that they trust him. You don't trust somebody who's not good. We, know, we see in verse 15 that he knows the father. What does that matter? The father is the owner of the sheep. Also in verse 15, we see that he will die for the sheep or lay down his life. In verse 16, we see that he, he's gathering even more sheep. That Jesus isn't just about a small group of people. He is gathering people outside of even the people of Israel. In Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus is the great shepherd. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he is the chief shepherd. And here he is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd that the prophets foretold us of. In places like Ezekiel chapter 34, or places like Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11. Jesus is the fulfillment of this. He is the good shepherd that cares for his sheep. Jesus is also the good shepherd who sacrifices for his sheep. The rest of verse 11 says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd, what he does is he sacrifices. We see this statement, lays down his life for the sheep, four times here in chapter 10. This speaks of Christ's willingness, his voluntary choice to atone or to sacrifice himself for us. We also see in verses 18 and 19 that he could take back up his life. He willingly laid, laid it down and he takes it back up. What is that talking about? It's talking about the resurrection. It's talking about this shepherd who gave himself, who laid down his life for the sheep, would take his life back. That is, he would rise from the dead and why did he sacrifice himself, or for whom did he sacrifice? Verse 11 tells us, for his sheep. 
the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When we say for here, we mean in behalf of, or instead of, or in place of, or as their substitutes. So when we read these words that, that the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep in our place. This is the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. 1 John 3, 16, by this we know love. They lay down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Or the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 53, familiar passage. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried away our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned, we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that went before the shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. The good shepherd laid down his life in order that we might have life. The good shepherd protected us from the worst of all possibilities. He was separated so that we would not be separated. You see, the, the good shepherd is also the Lamb of God. John the Baptist says this, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Can you imagine it? The shepherd became the lamb. The word became flesh. God became man. The sovereign became the slain. The one who is life laid down his life so that you could have life. So now we come to this table this morning and we see these elements as a reminder of, of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. We remember the shepherd who is the Lamb of God that was slain for your sin, for my sin, for the sins of the whole world. This is how salvation comes. Brother, sister, friend, we all were like sheep, sheep straying away from God. And the only way made possible for us to return is that the shepherd has come. The shepherd and overseer of our souls has come to make a way for you to enter in, to be brought back to God through the door, through the shepherd, through the lamb, Christ in Christ alone. Will the servers come as I pray. Father, Recognize this morning, as we hear these, these words spoken by Jesus, this way, this way to you, this door that makes it possible for us to come to you, this life that is available to us. Father, we can't help but, but wonder how in the world could this ever happen? And yet we know how it could happen. 
happened as the shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep. It's happened as the perfect son of God took upon himself our sin and in, in place of that gave us his righteousness. God, we pray for those with us today who might not know Jesus at all. Maybe they've heard of Jesus. Maybe they've been to church. Maybe they know some about the Bible. But they've never entered through the door. They've never actually come to Jesus in repentance and faith. We pray that they would do that today. For those that have, God, may we look upon this Lamb of God who was slain for us once again in worship. And give thanks. It may be true that these marks... These marks of the sheep would be marks of us. That there would be a mark on our ear that we, we hear him. And the evidence that we hear him is the second mark, that we follow him. Would it be true today? We pray that it would be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.